2: Hey, hey, how about that? Cowabunga, dude. What an awesome video to get us going here. Big shout out to Brian Ward. That's our official new Geek Buddies video intro into the show. You know, I'm trying to make everything on the Outlaw Nation look as professional as possible, and people like Brian Ward, Jake Yacoveta, will help us do so many of the graphics and the video graphics for this uh, channel. I deserve so much credit for that. Uh, I sent it to the boys, or the buddies, shall I say, uh, earlier last week, and they absolutely loved it, so we wanted to start our show off that way as well. So I am John Roque. I'm a writer, producer, and host uh, here in Los Angeles, California.
0: I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer
1: of animated TV shows and movies. And I am Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn 9 and Nine-One-One. Oh, and if this
2: is your first time, this is the
1: Geek, Geek Buddies!
2: Hey! hey, there we go. That's how we start the show usually, but I think we were all caught up with that video, or at least I was, and so it didn't start out off fully correctly like we normally do, but we got there eventually. Uh for those of you who are new to the show, thank you so much for taking a chance here on the Geek Buddies and downloading us either an audio or podcast form, because we come in both. Uh and uh f- for those of you who are coming back, thank you so much for coming back every week to enjoy our unique takes and some would even say refreshing takes, you yeah, know. That's right i said that um, on the world of entertainment uh we love doing it every week and talking about all kinds of things uh for those uh, so let me tell you how the show breaks down each of us uh, brings up a, a geek news item uh that's three of them in total we talk about them amongst ourselves and for you all give our uh, thoughts points of views etc then we take a quick break and jump into our main topic and today's main topic is shannon mcclung's uh mcu rewatch hashtag mcu rewatch he has listed out his top uh his top 22 the mcu films all ranked for himself how many are there 24
1: 23 23 23
2: sorry all 23 mcu films he's ranked for himself and we, mike and i are going to tear that list apart in the uh, main of uh, in the main topic today uh but <laughs> it's gonna first- get brutal it's gonna get real brutal guys yeah, but first let me check in with everybody, Mike and Shannon. How's this uh, whole thing going? The self-isolating, self-quarantine. How are, what are you guys doing to kind of like pass the time or to fill the time during the days?
1: Uh, go for it, Mike.
2: Uh, hey,
1: hey. What am I doing? What am I not doing? <laughs> I'm watching
0: TV. I'm reading books. I'm doing nothing. I no. I uh, uh, yeah, it's it's okay. You know, like I think I keep going, and this seems to be the case for a lot of people. I keep going back and forth between kind of feeling like I'm on an extended vacation and then having like the existential dread of everything that's happening in the world kind of going yeah. back and forth. I uh, I think I might've mentioned this before, but I'm doing these like zombie runs every other morning um, because with the gyms closed, I've been doing these runs around West Hollywood and my friend gave me this app, zombies run. Uh, right. It's kind of like a story that kind of goes along as you're running where and then oh. zombies chase you to make you sprint. But I was doing this run this morning and in the story, the runner is like separated from the guy who he talks to in the tower. And the guy is like having this big talk with him about like what life is like in a zombie apocalypse. So I'm running through West Hollywood with like no cars anywhere. And he's like, yeah, life's never going to be the same after this. Like you just missed the way things were. And you wonder if things are ever going to go back to, to what you knew, or is this a whole new world? Like, can we ever fully recover from this? And I was like, is this still talking about the zombie thing or is this like what's really happened? I got very confused. Um, so yeah, so back and forth between just going completely batshit insane and then uh, just relaxing and binging a ton of geeky shit like everybody else is.
2: Yeah. What about you, Shan?
1: Yeah, well, along with doing my MCU rewatch, which has taken up the last 23 nights, um, I am lucky that I am still getting to see my girlfriend. She's working mm-hmm. from home, so she's there. So she'll she'll occasionally come over to my place. I'll go to hers. Um, We'll go for walks, go for very, very long walks. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get up to 15,000 steps a day. There is a local coffee shop that I frequent that I am trying to go to just to support those local businesses during this time. Um, I usually go to the coffee shop first to get my cold brew and oat milk. Um, (laughs) One day I am going to learn the lesson not to start with the coffee because I'll get about two miles away from my home and then uh, trouble starts a brewing. As it oh, were. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be like, Oh, you I wanted to
2: there. go there. All right. cool. Uh, yeah.
1: Hey, let's 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 get real. Let's be sure. honest. Sure. It happens. Sure. And then, you know, their you know, businesses are not open, especially right. to let you use their uh, facilities. Um, I actually for any of the interview that live in uh, Burbank, um, I actually walked from my place all the way down to the Whole Foods and picked up a six pack of beer amongst other things. And I was walking with this very heavy bag when trouble started to brew. And I'm like, oh, God, oh wow. this, might, this might be the day that I, that I don't make it.
2: I think maybe you should stop walking. It seems like to, that's the lesson seems to be. You should take a car everywhere you go uh, and have extra bags, apparently, for emergencies. So it feels, like, it feels like that's that's the way to go with your situation. You're, well, you I,
1: actually should drive your car. Like every, uh, every of course, couple of days, yeah. you should drive your car. And
2: keep I drive my car walking. every day. I drive my car every day, half an hour at least.
1: Yeah. I, uh,
0: mm. I I drive my car around because I have clocked every place that there's still a Starbucks that you can get into. like <laughs> most of the Starbucks most of the Starbucks have closed, but like yeah. a lot of the, the Starbucks that are inside a grocery store, which is still open because it's an essential business, those tend to be open and there's a couple right. drive-through Starbucks that are open. so I have sort of built my weekly schedule around still getting Starbucks at least two or three times a week yeah. just to feel somewhat normal.
1: Yeah. Right, you you'd rather support the Giant Faceless Corporation than a than a local oh, place. My I get God. it. Wow, wow, wow. Have have you met me? You- <laughs> <laughs> Mike Giant Faceless Corporation Google.
2: <laughs> uh, to be fair, they pay more and they offer more content. So I got no issue with that. I mean, uh too. You know, yeah, we do that. We've been kind of uh, I've been convincing her to go to El Segundo every single chance we get, because now without the traffic, it's like 20 minutes to get over there. It's not a big deal at all. And then we'll walk to the beach and walk back. Obviously, they've shut down all the areas to go down onto the beach or near the beach. But you walk all the way there and back, and it's a nice little workout for us. Plus, there's a uh, there's a mom and pop coffee shop there uh, that only has like two other coffee shops in the area that they uh are, are behind and so we go and grab a little bit of breakfast there a little food there sit out on the patio next to city hall they have like these little mini tables you can sit at and of course everyone keeps distance no one is sitting next to each other on the tables have a little bit of food then take our walk for an hour and drive on back so it's it's kind of that way of doing that kind of breaking up the monotony but yes i also later on in the afternoon will get in my car and drive half an hour 45 minutes just to just to get out of the house, just to kind of break the monotony. Last night, eleven o'clock at night, I went uh, to SK Donuts, they close at 10. I didn't know that on a weeknight. Well, <laughs> lesson learned. Lesson learned. I, uh, so now is, yum is yum anybody
0: is anybody um is anybody howling where you guys are at night? How? Is it
2: at night? So yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Sounds weird. Sounds weird, I know. <laughs> yes, uh it
2: does.
0: so in West Hollywood, uh where I live, and yeah. also I believe over in like Silver Lake Echo Park, um, it must be burners. So a thing that happens at Burning Man every year, which will not happen this year because we just found out Burning Man 2020 was canceled. But uh, what usually happens is like when the sun hits the mountains right around sunset, like right when it's setting, yeah. everybody like goes outside of their camps and stuff and everybody kind of howls and cheers and yells. And it's like this big communal moment. Cool. And I don't know if Burners have started this or whatever, but my friend kind of told me the other night and I poured myself whiskey and at eight o'clock, I went up uh, the stairs to where our roof is on our building and uh, a it's beautiful because we have the cleanest air in the world right now and you can see all the way to downtown and it's gorgeous and people all around the city are like cheering and howling and yipping at eight o'clock at the exact same time. Uh, And it's actually kind of awesome. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's with everything going on where you sort of feel disconnected from everyone and everything. And it's, you know, it's so quiet. There's not a lot of traffic out. So you can hear everything and you kind of go up, I went up on the roof, I kind of sipped my drink and people were just yipping and howling and I howled and I've done that for the past (laughs) couple of nights and it's been kind of nice.
2: (laughs) Just letting it all out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I respect that. You gotta, you you, sometimes you gotta get it off your chest. You gotta get it it off your chest and
0: relax. As uh, as my favorite uh, princess slash queen from a giant faceless corporation says, sometimes you just gotta let it go.
2: <laughs> oh, I think that's a direct shot at you, Shannon. I don't know if I would take that. I think that's a direct shot at you. Just saying. Um, for for me, the uh, we we found out when we went and go we went to walk at the Olympic Park. I'm uh, oh, sorry, the park on Olympic Boulevard. It's over there. I can't remember the name of the. But we had the. Uh, I think. Eric Rogers is one year uh, uh, holds one year anniversary one year birthday there I think at the park and we took a walk around it was Josh Habers kids I can't remember but uh, we went to that park yesterday and apparently at seven p.m. every night uh, people at a complex that are above a a clinic or a center or hospital they uh, go out and they clap for two minutes um, kind of uh, sending a positive message down to the people. Who are working either? I think it's across the street or below them uh, in the uh, hospital center that's there. So pretty positive uh, reactions there to discover as we're walking around. You know, it was like, oh, what do we do? Well, we're not in a situation where we can do that. But it's I know that that's happening across the world in many places as well. So people showing a little bit of support for people who are on the front lines and stuff. So that's positive, positive stuff uh, in the in uh, in the grand scheme of things. So uh, anyway, let's get into uh, geek news. Let's entertain you with our geek and take your mind off this stuff and get into some geeky stuff. Uh, Who's going to start with us? Uh, Who's going to start first for today? Well, that would be me. Okay. So Rebecca
1: Rubin, who writes for Variety, announced on Monday that uh, Trolls World Tour, the sequel to 2016's animated musical, landed the biggest debut for a digital release ever. Now, Universal didn't actually provide any statistics uh, to say what the actual numbers were, but they did say it was the number one title across major on-demand video platforms such as Amazon, Apple, and Fandango. And that it also had the biggest opening day and weekend for a digital title, generating approximately 10 times more than the next largest traditional premium home video release. And it also got released in like uh, 21 drive thru's across the nation, yes, if if yes. the, the drive thru theaters that are still open. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, people are wondering now is this, could this be the way that some future releases could go once this is all over? I yeah. have my thoughts. What do you guys think?
2: We've been talking about it for the last few weeks. This idea of which is the, which one of these big major films is going to go down to uh, uh, video on demand and streaming, and we certainly had that with uh, Charles' world tour, kind of being the first test case. I think Michael mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, being a test case to see what it would what the results might be in, in that way. But in the article uh, that uh, I was, I read a, comp, a couple articles about this, and they mentioned that they uh, even with boxing, who has numbers to kind of that are correlative to this situation and, and by that i mean they can they can uh, get numbers and give you an idea of how many people are watching and tally the money and whatever it takes them four months to tally the results so we won't know for a while what this <clears throat> did but they did say it was 10 times uh more uh, than uh, jurassic world fallen kingdom did and that was about two to three million On its first day. uh, And then over the weekend, over the week, it was 30 million, I think. So if it's going to do that kind of uh, level, then we are looking at what you would argue is a hit. And it's already come out that Disney saying Onward became a hit because it went to video on demand. It would not have been a hit if it didn't. So this could be the first kind of mini step towards the direction of more and more streaming stuff. Mike, what do you think?
0: Uh, you know, I mean, I think that you know we talked about this. Uh, I believe Shannon brought it up a few weeks ago when we talked about trolls doing the video on lot, the video on demand release. Yeah. Uh, you know that that trolls was a sequel to a movie that did well but not amazing. Uh, and that traditionally, right. these animated sequels, the follow-ups like Life of Pets Two and everything else, don't do as well. So I think it was sort of a calculated risk in that I don't think that they ever assumed that Trolls Two was going to make like uh, you know huge, huge box office money. So this seemed like a safe way to to kind of give everybody something and make some kind of return on your investment. Yeah. So I still don't know that it's going to you know pave the way for the big budget movies to be released on straight onto demand. I think people are still going to go to theaters, but. As we've been saying for the past several weeks, like, you know, the the longer that we sort of live through this and go through everything that we're going through, like, I don't know that going back to normal, being going back to the way things were 100% is ever going to happen. I think that when the entire world sort of drastically changes for six months or more out of the year in total, once we're done dealing with all of this. Uh, I don't know that you go back to normal. And I think some things will change. And I think the way that movies are released and the way that the the relationship between streaming and traditional movie theaters is going to change. So I think this is, it's interesting. And I think the other point you brought up about Onward uh, is really good as well, that Onward you know, is doing okay, um, but had none of this happened and it had just stayed in theaters, it would have been a pretty modest success for Pixar. Right. Uh, but I think that doing what they did and releasing it, in addition to uh, becoming a bigger financial success, in just talking to people that I know, it's like more people watched Onward than I think would have seen it in theaters. And I think the comfort of a Pixar movie, uh, an emotionally satisfying Pixar movie that gives you the feels particularly – uh, when you're trapped at home and dealing with all this, I feel like people are going to have a soft spot for Onward in a way that they wouldn't have had for a very long time. I think it's sort of elevated Onward to a, to a Pixar classic in a certain way that it might not have been otherwise. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I totally, mean, totally agree there. And, yeah. I mean, you know, comparing Trolls World Tours uh, financial take, box office take, um, comparing it to Jurassic World, the sequel, is not... It's it's not the not a perfect comparison because
2: because it's it had already been in the theater and it was going down for rent. That's a fair point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it had all almost it almost made a billion. I don't think it made a billion um, right. globally, but it had almost made a billion dollars at that point. Right. So anything on top of that, that was just that was just frosting on the cake. Right. Um, I do think families, especially when things when social distance when social distancing guidelines start to be relaxed, I do think families are going to be the most reticent to go back into these places that it's going to take a longer time to get people in the theaters. But at the end of the day, you know, Marvel movies, star Wars movies, DC
2: movies, you want to see those in a theater. Yeah, true. And, but with trolls world tour, the other thing to think about too, is you mentioned family, Shannon, that's another thing to factor into these numbers. Cause even if the numbers come back at a decent clip or a good amount, you're still going to have to factor in the amount of money that you lost because Paying one twenty dollar fee for five members of a family is an extra eighty bucks you didn't get from that right. family, and that's that's the thing that they're going to have to balance out uh, money wise. Can they take the hits? And I was looking at this, I was thinking about this today, like for about an hour, just kind of breaking down, looking on the numbers, and everything. okay, like there's a possibility down the road where this could be the norm. And if this is the norm, salaries start going down, uh, actors payments start going down, everything starts to adjust. And maybe the cost of living in Los Angeles starts to go down. These kinds of things, it may be in if there's any kind of silver lining they may make, make come out of this thing, is that people are more responsible or financially responsible about situations uh down the road. We'll see. I mean, these astronomical sums that are like uh, America's idol, uh whatever 15 million a year to just watch people audition for you is ridiculous. Maybe those salaries not start getting dropped because people have to adjust. I mean, even the WWE today released like 15 wrestlers and a bunch of people, behind the scenes people, even though they were de- an essential business so even the people that are going to survive this thing are making cuts all over the place so i wouldn't be surprised if down the road if we start to have more of a streaming society that the actors fees directors fees producer all that kind of stuff just starts dropping mike you're the executive is that a possibility at all i mean uh you don't want to hear that i know because it's good it's a good chunk of change for you but like
0: no 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 it's not that it's just that i don't I still think that probably uh, entertainment is one of America's biggest exports. And I think that, uh, let me put it, look, I think that if anything, this whole situation has shown that there are a lot of people like teachers and healthcare workers who are getting paid less than they should be. And they absolutely deserve to be paid more than, you know, actors, writers, directors, whatever. But I do think that um, the other way to look at it is entertainment in general is one of the things that's getting us through all of this and will continue to get us through this. And I don't know that those, the the desire to entertain for entertainment, the desire for the public to sort of spend their money on entertainment, I don't Mm. think is going to go anywhere soon. So I think that it probably won't send things down that much, but it might adjust things to your point. Like, I mean, well, it'll, like I said before, like, I don't know that we're ever fully going back to completely what we had before after this. So it'll be interesting to see how those changes affect the entire industry.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could work in reverse where it's, well, not necessarily in reverse, but it could be that, well, if you're going to a video, uh, if you're going straight to video or video on demand, then you're only going to make a certain amount uh, as an actor or director or producer or whatever, a writer, uh, versus if your film is, is slated to go to a theatrical release. There'll be comparable changes uh, to that situation, and there are now, but I think it'll be more stark as we start to realize that there's no chance for those films to go theatrically. Right. Uh, and then we'll see how that affects voting and changes to the Oscar stuff and Golden Globes and uh, Emmys and things of that nature. How will that change uh, as it goes along? So it's a good test case. We'll see what happens, but we won't know results for quite some time. And somewhere there is somebody coming up with a way to get these numbers way quicker, and they're going to be a millionaire overnight, overnight. If they can figure out how to break that system and get numbers quicker for people, somewhere in, somebody in Nielsen is like, how can I figure this out? Or finally, I can implement this program. And we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, so let's move on to our second one, and uh, that is these Dune pictures that came out from Vanity Fair. I put a couple of them up for people to enjoy. Uh, kind of Star Wars esque view. Boss Logic put a uh, Kylo Ren lightsaber into uh, Timothy Chalamet's hands, uh, in uh, that photo there. There's also, uh, this uh, photo here. We got a little got a smoldering Oscar Isaac. Lord, oh my good lord, I just
0: <laughs> fell out of my couch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look, I'm as straight as they come, and I bit my lip when I saw that picture. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's a very good picture. These these pictures are absolutely uh, incredible, uh, and they do tease the look and the vibe and the feel uh, that this film is going to have. And uh, I know I'm one of these people that's incredibly excited to see uh, what uh, uh, um, Denis Villeneuve is going to create and have for us to enjoy uh, uh, And do, look, you know, we had the we had there's a documentary about Jodorowsky's Dune that was going to come out in the 70s, which is a wacko, awesome documentary. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was that 80s cult classic David Lynch film with Sting in a leather underwear or leather, whatever, leather bikini briefs. Uh, and then you had the uh, sci fi TV series that came out in the 2010s, I think, or two, early 2000s um, that didn't quite uh, capture it. But this is this is a master filmmaker in Denis Villeneuve who is approaching this thing and breaking it up over two movies. This is essentially it chapter one, chapter two, all over again. Uh, and he's telling one half of the story in the first movie and the second half of the story in the second movie. And, uh, you know, they're they're filming in locations that are very reminiscent of Star Wars, Michael. It has that vibe. It has that feel. Uh, people have compared Frank Herbert's novel from the 60s to like the Roman Empire and influenced from uh, all those things. And then it influenced Star Wars. It influenced Game of Thrones. It influenced these kinds of, uh, a lot of sci-fi afterwards. Uh, do you like these pictures? I saw some people online saying it doesn't look like a fun movie. Uh, and it's like, oh. And so, like, what is your opinion about all this?
0: Uh, I, I think the pictures are stunning. I think they look amazing, um, particularly Oscar Isaac. I could I could mm-hmm. look at more pictures of him. Just send those directly to me uh, all day long. Um, <laughs> but, uh no, actually, it's really funny because I saw the pictures. I got really excited. Uh, I... I I never read Dune. My brother has read it. My brother has read it and he's been trying to get me to read it uh, for quite some time. He loves it. Yeah. Uh, And I think like, I I have vague recollections of the eighties David Lynch film with, with sting. And I think that's probably why I've sort of avoided Dune ever since. Like I don't even fully remember the movie, but I just remember it being really, really weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not surprising uh, given that it's David Lynch. And so I think I sort of like have always sort of avoided Dune and I saw the pictures, I thought they looked amazing. I started to read the article and the article kind of starts to go into the story of what Dune is about. So I stopped reading it and I actually picked up Dune yesterday and I read like the first 50 pages. So Uh I'm will be i gonna be reading it uh, before the movie comes out. I'm really excited, but uh, yeah. So the fact that these pictures got me so excited that I went and actually picked up the book and started reading it because it made me want to know Mm -hmm. who these people were now. And I decided I wanted to go right back to the source material. I'm really stoked to read it. first of all, during our quarantine, because it's a really big book and it's going to take up a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, and secondarily, I, I'm really excited for this. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Arrival is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I think it's spectacular. And so I'm excited to see what he does
2: here. Yeah. Uh, Shan, what's your thoughts when you look at these things?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the pictures, as, as Vogel said, the pictures are stunning. Um, any sort of sci-fi epic that is taking things sort of deadly seriously as this seems to be, I'm like, I, I'm always interested in something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I like Mike have also avoided Dune, but it's been more, um, more recently. And I think it's based off of watching that Iroski uh, documentary. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> like I love, I love a documentary about a movie that doesn't, that doesn't quite make it. Like yeah. when, they did, when they did lost in La show with Terry Gilliam. I mean, that was such a fascinating documentary and watching, uh, the, the Dune documentary and, um, Thinking like wow is this what dune is not just that this is what this gentleman's take was but this right. is what dune is i'm like this is two bananas for me i i i, I can't get on that um but knowing the work of denny villeneuve i mean mm-hmm. i i am not the biggest fan of arrival nor blade runner but i love sicario okay i think right. sicario I, I don't think he's made a better movie than sicario i think sicario wow. is fantastic wow. um I know, I know. No,
2: I mean, I I, have a hard time not agreeing with you. I do love Sicario, but I think it's kind of a three-way tie depending on what day you ask me between Blade Runner 2049, Arrival and Sicario. Like those three are just masterpieces in filmmaking in my opinion that didn't even get nominated by the Academy, which is effing mind-blowing.
0: I think think they're all amazing movies in different ways. I think I don't have the love for Blade Runner 2049 that other people do because I just don't have a lot of love for Blade Runner in general. I actually think... Blade Runner 2040. I, I'm, I'm on the James Gunn track, given his <laughs> given his tweets this week that I do think Blade Runner 2049 is a better movie than Blade Runner. And I think it's one of the most gorgeous movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, it's a little bit too cold for me, but Arrival, mm. which a lot of people feel is cold, I think is amazing. I think everything that Arrival is about is stupendous. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It blew me away in the theater. Uh, so yeah, so I think that the, the bottom line is out of those three movies, if that's his body of work going
1: into Dune, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited across the board. Yeah. 100, 100%. Mm-hmm. And by my saying that I'm not a big fan of the Blade Runner sequel or Arrival, this is not me saying that it is a bad movie. It's right. just like, ah, this one just didn't, this, this one just didn't connect with me. I mean, I love the ideas behind Arrival. I think yeah. it was a fascinating watch, but by the end I was like, oh, okay. I don't need to revisit this one again. This is not me saying that it <sighs> is bad. It just didn't click with me. Um, oh, which man. we will talk about other movies that didn't necessarily click with me <laughs> a little bit later. Yeah. I can feel my, my heart starting. to I'm getting ready for this Marvel debate and already, like just getting mad over here.
2: It's getting beklempt. I'm getting <laughs> agita. I'm getting I will, agita.
1: I will, never, I will never besmirch anyone for liking something. So when yeah. people say that they liked the Blade Runner sequel or Arrival, I'm kind of like, oh, okay that okay you'd
2: be someone for liking Suicide Squad don't lie that's completely lie,
1: sir. different I think that's it okay
2: fair enough I
1: will never besmirch someone when they like something that a lot of people like
0: <laughs> I actually saw
1: the I actually saw a great yeah, yeah I saw a great meme
0: I saw a great meme it was like a couple that was clearly at a restaurant like breaking up Like the girl was really upset and the guy looked angry with his arms folded. And next to them was like a couple that was totally in love. And the broken up couple, it said Star Wars fans and Rise of Skywalker. And then the in love couple was like Dune fans, Dune Vanity Fair photos. Like it was like, (laughs) This is the uh this is this is the rise of Skywalker that we all deserved.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. I mean, a lot of people who have not who don't understand the chronology of these of this book and, and star Wars are like this looks like star Wars or this sounds like star Wars. Like, no, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Dune came first. Sorry guys. Dune came first. 1965 I think is when the book came out. So Dune came first. And there's an article that people are floating around on social media where Frank Herbert has some not nice things to say about what he felt Lucas took from his book and used for himself and made billions of dollars. So it's not like for Herbert was struggling. So.
0: I will say that like, I mean, as someone who is a, Huge fan of like Joseph Campbell, mm. hero's journey, like the like everything that is built into Star Wars. Very specifically, that George Lucas did with hero's journey. Even in just reading the first fifty pages of Dune, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm in. I get like it. Yeah. It has hero. It has that hero's journey sort of classic right. mythological hero's tale written all over it from like the first five pages. You're like, okay, mm. I, I got this. I'm in. So. No. I'll let you guys know
2: what I think of it. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we'll all get into an early screening and and do a review of it for the show. But I'm excited. It's supposed to come out December 18th. We'll see if it gets pushed. We'll see if it gets pushed. We don't know. Right now, I mean, they keep kicking SpongeBob one week. Like uh, SpongeBob is like that little, what do they know, kick the can? They're just kicking it down the street until eventually they go, okay, fine, we'll do it in 2021. Uh, I think that's the barometer I'm using to see if any of these other movies afterwards end up getting pushed again, uh, but it is possible. I think one of the great things, too, about this real quick, and we'll move on, is that um, – I like that he's changed the the character, uh, uh, the the um, oh god, is it the archaeologist or the head of uh, the eco- head ecologist there on the planet uh, from a white man to a black woman. It's uh, one of the actresses from Rogue One that excites me, uh, and uh, he's changed uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character, which is the mom to Timothy Chalamet. She's more of a Linda Hamilton vibe type character, where she is training her son, getting her son involved in the stuff because she has powers as well. Uh, And so that's going to be fun. And you've got, uh, you've got Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa training this kid as well throughout the movie. So, That's going to be awesome. And Batista is underneath Stellan Skarsgård, who's playing the Max Savon role from the original David Lynch film. Uh, And uh, Villeneuve says in the Vanity Fair article, I'm making him more of a predator and less of uh, just a crazy person, less of a madman, more of a predator. So a lot of there, are not a lot, but there are some, I think, interesting, interesting changes that update the material and make it fun to watch. But the question I have, and real quick, uh, is if this doesn't do well financially, because Blade Runner 24 and I did not do well. It's not like Villeneuve doesn't blow the doors off the box office financially. If this one does, if the first part doesn't do well, what happens to the second part?
0: Uh, are they are they filming them consecutively? Like, are they filming them together?
2: To be honest with you, I don't know. I think he's only filming the first part, finishing up this part now, and then maybe getting into the second part afterwards.
1: Well, I mean, with like the Divergent series, for instance, um, they were scheduled to do four films. And after they were kind of getting the law of diminishing returns after the third one, they were going to do the fourth one as I think like a a, a limited run cable series. Mm -hmm. They were going to do it as like a Netflix movie or something. But but basically, yeah, there's no guarantee that you will see the conclusion of the story if the first one doesn't do what it needs to do at the box office and based off the photos. And granted, these are still shots. Yeah. um, It doesn't look like it's going to be a cheap endeavor.
2: No. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think that's what I, I, I want. I think it'll still come out and there's a possibility that that film, the second film is better than the first film. That's a possibility as well. More of the action, uh, more of the culmination of everything that's being led up to will occur in in that second film. And, you know, we've seen it in numerous trilogies. And I'm not saying Dune's a trilogy, but we've seen a numerous trilogy where the second installment is a lot more action-oriented and interesting than the first installment. So that may be the case here as well. Either way, great cast. Looking forward to it. It's not much, like Shannon says, not much you can say. Just looking at the pictures, looks great. We'll see what happens down the road once we see the first trailer. Once we see, we hear the first reviews, first reaction, things of that nature. uh, It'll be something to keep forward. All right. uh, What do we got up next? (laughs) so
0: uh up next uh for the past couple weeks because news has been light uh shannon's friend shannon's friend rick came up with this idea of like get to know the geek buddies because a lot of you guys who are listeners are big fans of the outlaw but uh thanks to him you sort of checked out geek buddies and you got to know me a little bit better last week you got to go know shannon a little bit better the week before we were talking about it and we didn't think it was fair to just like not have john be a part of this so uh we thought we'd take a minute here today to you guys know the outlaw, but do you really know John Roca? That's that's really that's really the question. Uh, so we thought we'd we dive into that. Uh, so Johnny, just uh, I know we kind of brought this up when we were talking about it before, but I am curious. Like, what uh, what what parts of your past, uh, given the history that we all have together, do you feel like your fans aren't as invested in? Is it your time at the theater school at Florida State? Is it uh, all of the fun? trips and vacations we've taken together as friends or, or what, uh, what are the things that you think are sort of blind spots to your fans?
2: So your are what you're, your question to get to know me is what do you think fans need to know? Is that what your Is that what your question is to me?
0: I, I just know that you you know, <laughs> you do mornings with the outlaw. You do, yeah, you, yeah. do this, you do, you do a lot. You, t- you talk do. a lot about your life. And so I think that, uh, that yeah. where, where, where are the, where are the blind spots?
2: How I do I really, continue? I don't know because I've been talking about my life for years. So I don't know where the blind spots would necessarily be. People know about my dad. People know about my girlfriend. People know about military service. People know about my time at Florida State. People know, well, people know that I went to Florida State. Uh, people know about, um, uh, you know, my time trying to act and then moving into this stuff. Um, but yeah, and then people know about wind talkers uh, for the most part. But I don't know. Just uh, ask whatever you think you want to ask. I don't know. I'm, I'm wide open. I don't know what to say. Shannon, you want to? You want to? Yeah. Dive
1: okay. in here. Okay. I, I, okay. So Johnny, you know, uh, talking about thinking about um, our our adventures at Comic Con. Yes. You know, we, we found out this week that Comic Con is probably going to be canceled, which is you know one tear down down the cheek. You're right. Um, Johnny, you know, Mike and I had been to Comic Con before you. Yes. Mike had been way more before before I had gone but yeah. um, you and I discovered something that we really enjoyed doing together at Comic-Con. Why don't you, t- two things actually. Um, let me see. G- give us what, is, what is one of your favorite Comic-Con stories that involves a hall or a restaurant? <laughs>
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I remember that I remember when I first was, um, aware of Comic-Con and then my friends were going and I wasn't being invited to go or I wasn't like making it known that I wanted to go. I remember there was a, a um, like a discussion, shall we say that for lack of a better term at a particular restaurant. I think it was baby blues. If I remember correctly. And there was like, well, do you want to go? Fine. We'll, we'll include you next time. You'll go, you'll go. And I'm like, good. Good, because I do want to go. And then we eventually became this like foursome that would go down every year. Um, And it was a rotating fourth. And then it kind of became Kalinowski for the most part of the last few years. Uh, and then last year was the first time I didn't go, you know, in quite some time. And to be honest with you, I was kind of uh, good not to go. I was kind of I'd kind of hit my limit um about being there uh, because there wasn't much happening and it seems to be maybe possibly dying uh step by step like slowly or sm- uh, in small ways dying but or or going back to what it was originally which was focused on comic books and things of that nature but being in hall h i think one of the greatest moments i had in any hall there at comic-con was the shatner moment like getting to getting up to go, uh, uh, ask a question of William Shatner, who of course has blocked me on Twitter, but I, I would get up to ask him a question and I got to tell him something I'd wanted to tell him for such a long time was that he reminds me a lot of my father who passed away, the way he speaks, the way he carries himself, uh, the hair, all of it, uh, uh was so reminiscent of my dad that I just felt such a connection to him as a person. And I got to ask him that question about why he thinks, uh, Uh, Captain Kirk endures, um, and he gave a great uh, long-winded answer, which I won't go into here. Um, But then, of course, being in the Hall H when that kid got stabbed uh, when we were there all day with a pencil over a chair situation. (laughs) uh, You know, Comic-Con is one of the great memories, one of the great moments of every year because you just – you just know what them you don't know what the memories are going to be either with each other or with people in the hall or with people asking questions um, or, you know, because one of the greatest things that we turn into a comic con is a Jerry Springer audience. I mean, we all <laughs> whoever walks up, we all are just immediately like, ooh, or ah, or great question or oh, and we're jumping up and down our chairs or things of that nature. So um, that's fun. But I also enjoy those smaller panels like getting to see the Doctor Who panels the last few years was great. Um, get, you know, whenever I get to slide into a comic book panel, if I can actually get into one, uh, it's great to hear people talk about their stuff and being there when Azarello, uh, you know, when all that shit uh, stuff went down with uh, with uh, oh yeah, the Killing Joke, I was just <laughs> like, what is this? I remember the first, tw- you know, the Killing Joke was an interesting experience because we're all sitting there and this slowly within the first twenty minutes, everyone is just kind of looking at each other like, what? is this is this? Are you feeling the same way about this that I am? Am I missing something? Here And then eventually when it actually kicks in, starting with the graphic novel, it is actually a damn good animated movie about that graphic novel. It's just those first 20 minutes like what is going on here? And then <laughs> and then having Azarello, fair enough, and then having Azarello like flip out on that woman afterwards uh, was but she finally got the nerve to say the things that all of us had been thinking as we watched that first 20 minutes of that movie that were added. Um, I thought it was an interesting experience as well, but uh, yeah, Comic Con overall is a fun time. Sleeping with Shannon McClung in the same bed every year is an interesting experience. Uh, wondering what time Mikey's going to come stumbling in drunk to pass out on the uh, other bed is a great experience as well. I, and the, the-
0: <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to say that uh, my my favorite thing about Comic Con, and this kind of leads to uh leads to uh, another thing I was thinking, is is the mm. fact that John, John, and Shannon not just at comic-con i think in every trip that we take together sleep in the same bed yes uh and i get my i either sleep in my own bed or i sleep with whoever the fourth rotating person is mm-hmm. says a lot about my personal life um but uh <laughs> but yeah i think that um my favorite thing about one of my favorite things about comic-con all told all the panels all everything yeah. is that uh in the morning when everyone's kind of sleeping before i wake up the thing that wakes me up every morning at comic-con is John and Shannon sort of starting in on this comedy act where they start giving each other shit with their eyes still closed about who (laughs) took up too much of the bed, or who took too much That's of the true. covers and watching these two very straight, very heterosexual men differ <laughs> with each other is, is one of the, is one of the internal joys of my life.
2: <laughs> I, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to, it's one of the fun, it's one of the most fun moments in the morning. I don't have to open my eyes and I just know I know I've got a great comedy partner, Shannon McClung. He can roll with anything. He's always on his toes. So it's great. And also,
0: it also, it also makes me realize even aside from Comic-Con, hmm. uh, you know, I was bringing this up to somebody recently that, um, We are all grown men Mm. by any stretch of the imagination. We are all clearly well into adulthood on our way to old age. Like it's just, we're on the road. Yes. Uh, And yet when we go on vacations, whether it be Comic-Con or friends' weddings or trips with friends or whatever, uh, we all still room with each other like we are college kids who can't afford a hotel room. Uh, and yeah. We're all, we're all at the point where we can afford hotel rooms. I don't, sure. but we still have this thing where I—I I think I remember it might have been our friend Jen Fraser's wedding in New York was one of the first times where John and me and a couple other guys were all in a hotel room together, mm-hmm. and. And and when you're in a hotel room with the outlaw, he is not a small man in stature or personality. It's a lot of a lot.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, and- that's fair. That's fair. And, and,
0: and over the years, we have sort of navigated uh, <laughs> the ins and outs of rooming together so well that I think we're probably just going to continue doing it all the way into the retirement home.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that's going to In the end of the day. We'll do Geek Buddies 20 years from now uh, in these retirement homes or 30 years from now, at least uh, now 40 maybe for me, hopefully. Um, but yeah, uh, not to give away too much of my age, but yeah, um, that's, a, that's a certain possibility. But yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the greatest things uh, about it is like the discovery of um, what's going on down there and what you can enjoy. And the thing is all three of us and really all four of us have our own separate ways of doing the con. Uh, and we do cross paths and go to dinner or go out to clubs or go to the parties uh, or come back to the hotel room for that two o'clock nap or two o'clock recharge hour that we do with the air conditioner at 61 degrees. <laughs> you know, it's it's great. It's great with the beds already made. Those are those those. And we always, usually thanks to Michael. We're usually really close to the con. So it's not a big deal to walk back to the hotel and relax a little bit. Hey! So I know people. I
0: know people. You're 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 a big. You're
2: kind of a big deal, Uh, and it it helps us out overall. But yeah, I I I love those uh, moments because, and we've and and we've gotten further and further. uh, Like we further and further do our own things as we go. But it's nice to have that hotel room as a touch point for all of us.
1: Well, and also the last couple of years, you Mm -hmm. you've had to work. John. Like, yeah that's it? true actually that's you, really fair yeah, you've been yeah, down yeah. there in a professional capacity well, so we, yeah, we, we would get to see each other at night it's but like you, you and kalinowski i'll never understand your guys' love of walking that walking <laughs> the floor <laughs> on saturday and yeah. two, it's like oh god no yeah i was gonna ask you that uh what um
0: what what has it been like for you like uh going from uh you know get starting to get into the podcasting starting to get yeah. into uh, you know, being sort of an online personality, and how has that shifted your enjoyment and experience of the experiencing geek movies, experiencing Comic Con, mm. like experiencing all these things from being someone who was just purely a fan and doing it for fun, who now yeah. has to do things professionally, go to screenings, uh, you know? your work, you're, you're taking the thing that you've always loved and you've turned it into a job, which is kind of the dream and kind of amazing. But what is that, what is that process? And what has that experience been like for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think initially it was great. Initially when I started doing it for the first year, year and a half, it was really a lot of fun to have access to these kinds of things and be sent to do, do these kinds of things and cover these kinds of things. But I also found right before I got, I got let go from Collider this January, this past January, I found that I was losing my love of movies. Like I wasn't because I was being forced to watch all this stuff to cover it and get on top of it I didn't feel like I wanted to come home and watch a movie right it's like a chef the last thing you want to do is come home and make dinner right and so you just don't you I didn't I was starting to lose that and that was really starting to scare me to be honest with you because I used to love like sitting around and putting on TCM or putting on whatever movie or just flipping channels till I find a movie I want to watch and things of that nature and I was losing that because so much of my life was being consumed by watching these movies and covering these movies and watching movies for the top 10, for the Cinephiles, uh, for these other things, for Geek Buddies a little bit and things of that nature. So it was becoming to me a chore. And it was taking away my love of movies. So this kind of starting the channel and doing whatever has kind of reawoken my enjoyment of entertainment and media and movies, because now I can cover it at my pace and what I want to cover, what I want to do. And I like that I have a little bit of control. And maybe at the end of that's what it was all about, is I was being told what movies to cover when I want to cover the movies I want to cover. And of course, there's something required to cover, but I do want to cover the movies I want to cover and create content around that. So yeah, initially it was absolutely great, and I loved it. And it was weird to transition uh into that space. It was weird to get recognized at Comic Con. That was also a weird situation overall. You were, for me.
1: you were always really, really great with that, John. Like when you, when, um when fans would come up and and want to have a moment of your time, um, right? I, like I don't know how many of our how many of our listeners know this, but John is wonderful with his fans. Like he's he's so gracious. He's happy to happy to take a take a minute. Happy to take a photo. Um, it, it's really one of those things. Sometimes you might say he's better with his fans than with his friends. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Come on.
0: Sometimes, sometimes maybe we feel a little left out. Maybe we feel a little hurt. Maybe we feel a little lonely when you go off and embrace, embrace those that love you from
1: afar. What about those that love you up close? What about those guys? So no. if I can add one thing... <laughs> Before we move on, yeah, 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 so going down to Comic Con with Mr. Mike Vogel, like Mike Vogel gets gets recognized. Yes, uh, he does professionally. Yeah, yeah um, don't let him
2: don't let him fool you. He does. A too, lot of yeah. people
1: want to stop and have a moment with Vogel, and if yep. they make, all four of us are going someplace, the other three are happy to wait. Yep. And then the last few years, it started to do this <laughs> where people started stopping John, and oh, yeah. the most recent year when John was there, we were having to stop. For John, maybe a little bit more than Mike. And I remember Vogel. A hundred percent more, for sure. Vogel turning to me and Kalinowski and being like, huh. So this is what that's like. (laughs)
2: oh the uh is that the kingdom come moment so that's what that feels like Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean look it's it's that's been great it's 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 uh, you know it's it's been nice to have those moments and look i'm i'm i know people will think i've got it and i do i have an ego i have a belief in myself that's how i can achieve things i try to achieve things rather but when it comes to fandom or fans or people or followers, and I really like to say followers. I'm just always humbled by it all. I'm always overwhelmed by it all uh, because I, I don't think I'm where I need to be in the fandom. So I'm always appreciative of the people who do follow me, who do appreciate my point of view and or how I look at things or my analysis of things. So when they're willing to stop me and have a conversation with me, I always am appreciative of that because – that can go away at any time, and uh, it's always great to have people who you have no idea who they are, uh, or they've commented on you, or, or you know, on social media or whatever. To actually get to meet them up front—that's been one of the greatest things about the channel as well—is is bringing those people in live during some of my shows to come on camera live and ask their questions. Uh, like last night, I had Ben Bateman as my guest. As we're recording this last night, I had my ba- Ben Bateman as my guest on Outlaw Nation. A few people came in live who had never met him, and I got to put put them on and we all talked that kind of stuff so i'm very interactive with the channel and that's the approach i want to have with my brand it's a very interactive brand because i don't have a fear of it you know uh christian mentioned that one day at an SEN live he's like aren't you afraid that it might make bad radio to bring people in and i'm like no because uh, i can always talk to anybody you know drives my girlfriend crazy you know because I'll have a conversation with the person when we're ordering the drive through in Starbucks and it drives her nuts. She's like, just say what you want and get it and go. And why do you have to go? So how's your day going? What's going on with you? Is it, but I just like to talk to people um, in that way. And so when I get the chance to get, it's always humbling. Honestly, I, I know it's always humbling. I'm never going to deny that. I'm never going to say anything other than that. Can I be egotistical at times? Absolutely. And we're going to deny that, but uh, but uh, I, would, I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and, and then he wonders why I spend time with the fans instead, but like when, uh, when I, but when they come up and say, hi, I like to take the time, uh, to make them feel welcome because a lot of them always come up to me later and go like, I, I was afraid to say anything to you. And I was like, well, why, what is, you, what have been your experiences with other people that you'd be afraid to come up and say hi. So I, I always like it because it, 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 it feels like, hey, someone's watching your stuff. And, and, you know, as I'm building this channel, it means even more. It means even more. So yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Is that it? Is that good? That's good. Okay. Good. <laughs> that's, good. that's good. That's a good, that's a good, it's a good place to end. I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, let's take a little bit of a break and we'll jump into our main topic and tear apart Jenna McClum's MCU uh, uh, list. Uh, and we will re- we'll be right back right after this. And we're back. I think that's a good way to go into it. Uh, Shannon, you've been doing this uh, MCU rewatch. For those of you who don't follow Shannon, he's at, there you go, Shannon underscore McClung on Twitter. Go and follow him there. He has been doing an MCU rewatch of all 23 movies. He just finished it, and then he released his rankings. Uh, let me, well, actually, why don't you tell us what inspired you to do this, and then we'll talk about your, we'll release your, we'll show your rankings, and we'll discuss it. Well, also did what, you do,
0: and also, and oh. also did you do, did you do
1: chronological? Did you
0: do release oh, yeah. date? Like, what was your? Give us the I,
2: whole.
1: I did release dates. I, uh-huh. I wanted to do release date because that's how we would have seen them when we were watching them in the theaters. That makes sense. Um, but basically, when um, it it seemed like we were gonna the, we were gonna be shutting down for a little bit and having to stay home for a little bit, it was like God. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think it's gonna be more than three weeks, and mm. really, you just need three weeks and two days to do the entire Marvel cinematic universe and trying to establish a little bit of a schedule. Like to me, the Marvel movie at the end of the, at the end of the day, that was sort of like my reward. Hmm. Um, I try to do a little bit of work. I tried to do a little bit of writing. I'd like to go for a walk, but at the, like I wanted to have something scheduled like, all right, at the end of the night I do this. Yeah. Um, so that is where, that is where this idea came from. And then I figured, you know, throw it up on Twitter and have people uh, tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> what like, was there was there a desire who, who would
0: to who would ever do that
1: who would ever, <laughs> ever, ever do you do? oh, 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 oh we we'll, we'll get into it <laughs>
2: what, what was your desire to do the mcu like what inspired you to do this was just to pass the time were you were you inspired to want to revisit these films because you'd been wanting to for quite some time and now uh, the time came for you to be able to do that and why did you limit to one movie a day did you want to just be able to savor it for 24 hours and then move on to the next one
1: it was a combination of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not a Bond guy, um, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe has the most movies out there that you can mm. do kind of like one after the other. And there were certainly times where I would finish a movie and I would just want to watch the next one. Mm. Um, but that's why I chose to do one movie a night. Um, yeah.
2: Cool. Um, all right. Mikey, <laughs> any last things or should we bring this list up?
1: So yeah, so so yeah, we uh,
0: Shannon finished last night, and yes. today on Twitter, uh, as we're reco- as we're recording this today, he posted his list, and as we were discussing what uh, we wanted to cover this week, uh, and you know we had such a good time last week, sort of covering. The X-Men franchise yeah. and what the X-Men movies had meant to us this seemed like a good follow up to that because uh you know everybody loves a list and everybody loves to duke it out and uh i think there's some there's some really questionable choices here uh <laughs> that, are, take- that are that are worthy of a discussion
2: yeah well let's let's take a look here right yeah. here uh there he is he 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 started out by not even putting any numbers next to these uh, so you could just guess which ones i'm assuming he went in order number 1 for him is Avengers Endgame number two, Avengers Infinity War uh, number three, Captain America Winter Soldier four, Guardians of the Galaxy five, Captain America Civil War six, Iron Man seven, Avengers. 8, Thor Ragnarok, 9, Black Panther, 10, Spider-Man Far From Home, 11, Captain America first, The First Avenger. We're going to have words about that. Uh, 12, Ant-Man, 13, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 14, Spider-Man Homecoming, 15, Doctor Strange. I'm getting angry as I read this list. 16, <laughs> Avengers The Age of Ultron, 17, Thor The Dark World, 18, Ant-Man and the Wasp, 19, Iron Man 3, 20, Thor 21 captain marvel 22 the incredible hulk the one with uh, ed norton and 23 iron man 2 so that is his list uh, i wanted to read it out for those who are listening to us on the podcast form uh, format so uh, let's go back to the three of us and uh, thoughts on this list
0: well all right first of all like i don't know i don't know johnny about your feelings i do feel like uh I, I have Endgame as my number one and infinity mm-hmm. war is my number two as well. I don't, I don't know how you don't just kind of say that's the culmination of everything. Okay. So, now, what is the choice? Cause I know not all, all of our friends agree with this. So I'll go to Shannon. Mm-hmm. Why Endgame number one and infinity war number two.
1: It's the conclusion. Yeah. That's, that's why, because it's, it's the conclusion as much as I love infinity war. Um, There was, and and I I think probably Infinity War was probably the more difficult film to pull off because you have so much more, you have so many more balls that you're juggling. Mm -hmm. Um, But just all of these moments that have been built up for 23 movies or 22 movies at that point, excuse me, Mm -hmm. Um, Thor or uh, Captain America lifting the hammer, for instance. I mean, figuring out how the heroes were all going to come back, seeing all of these heroes side by side by side by side by side. Seeing the you know the the splash page that we've talked about where mm. you know the good guys are running at the bad guys that's when you that's when you get the most epic stuff that has happened in the MCU. That is why Endgame is above Infinity War for me.
2: Wow. Okay, okay. Johnny. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have put Endgame at number one. Um, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have put Infinity War at number two. I certainly uh, can. I like Endgame at number one. I th- still think Winter Soldier is uh, one I would argue about being uh, either one or two. That's kind of my argument there. So I'm not going to fault you for putting Endgame up there because it certainly would contend on my list. But I would put Captain America Winter Soldier above Avengers Infinity War. Guardians of the Galaxy, don't mind that at number four. Surprised you have Civil War at five. Civil War has some issues when I watch it now that I didn't feel the first time when I watched it. And certainly Avengers would go way farther down on my list. Uh, on a recent rewatch, I found myself kind of bored and kind of picking through the dialogue a little bit and finding it a bit cheesy. Um, But Dr. Strange, I think, is the shock to me that's that far down on the list. Because to me, Dr. Strange is one of the top five, top 10 MCU movies. Uh, And I know it's a divisive film, because there are some people who absolutely agree with me. And there are some people who don't. Uh, But Dr. Strange is one that is incredible.
0: Why do you you think Dr. Strange is so high up on the list?
2: Why? Why I would put it on my list. Uh, yeah. I think I think because I I enjoy the fact that this is a cerebral superhero film. It is not about the action, right? There are action moments certainly. Tilda Swinton certainly, Joaquin Phoenix for Mads Mikkelsen and of course Cumberbatch all having their like uh, astral plane battles are interesting. But it's more about like what are you going on in your journey, your own personal journey, your own emotional mystical journey uh, to discover about yourself beyond yourself, beyond the human realm where is it you're going so that you can be this kind of master of the uh, of the mystic arts and things of that nature how do you get there and i think that's what i enjoy about him the eastern philosophy approach which is something that i've kind of uh, uh gravitated to in my life how do you how does he go about doing that the the uh, 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 conversations with tilda swinton it's character those conversations are really interesting to me to explore and the fact that the ending is He's not the standard, hey, uh the reverse Doctor Strange, I gotta beat the reverse Doctor Strange. It is actually uh more of a trick, and you're doing this thing over and over, you're browbeating this person with just your mind. You you trick this person with your mind and the uh sorry, the the stone of turning the time and making them repeat over and over and over again this situation. And I thought it was kind of a brilliant ending to this. The problem with it is the Rachel McAdams storyline, and that's probably a reason why she's not coming back because she's like, There's not much to do here. I don't want to come back to something that wasn't much to do. And I respect that. (laughs) Rachel is a damn good actress and deserves better material. So uh, I understand her approach to it. And who knows? Maybe she'll come back like Natalie Portman down the road. But for now, her stepping out of this, I don't have a problem with it. Um, and I but I enjoy uh their chemistry. It just there needed to be more flesh on those bones for that storyline. But overall, I like the idea. Uh, I like Wong. He's very funny. I like Mads Mickelson in his role. I do enjoy Tueche for, and the twist that happens. Uh, And of course, uh, Tilda Swinton is just incredible. That scene where they're on the balcony before she's about to die and they have that conversation to me is the crux of the movie. And I, I it just attracts me every single time to watch it. It's one of the few mcu movies i actually own well also
1: let me add here that in between one this is a constantly moving list yeah of course based off of based off of how i'm feeling what's going on and uh, also in between some of these films it's millimeters Mm -hmm. millimeters of difference um now i really enjoyed doctor strange but i do think you know they pushed their production schedule to accommodate Benedict Cumberbatch um mm. I, I feel like his American accent is a little it's a little grating at times I won't
2: deny you that yeah I
1: feel like he settles into it much better in Ragnarok and mm-hmm. in Infinity War um but I, I I do really like Doctor Strange it's just that the other movies I on this particular day that I made this list yes, after watching yeah. all of them in a row yeah that's where they landed I will, say,
0: I will say as an overall, kind of to your point, uh, what's a lot of fun about a list like the Marvel movies is that it's kind of like making a list of your favorite Pixar movies. Like the level <laughs> of quality is so high yeah. throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe until you get to the bottom there, uh, that I think that, that it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a list of heavy hitters. So to your point, there is gonna be little millimeters of change. I think one of my big differences, kind of to Johnny's point with the Doctor Strange, Mm. Uh My list, my top five or six is about the same as yours, mm. with the exception of the fact uh, that I have Black Panther up there. So I have mm. I have Endgame, Infinity War, Winter Soldier, just like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I have Black Panther, Civil War, mm. Guardians. So. Uh I like my our, our top fives are the same except I put, my Black Panther goes way way higher than it does for you and Johnny I'm not sure where Black Panther is on your list.
2: I would see it's in the bottom 5 for sure. Uh, I would actually put Ragnarok as my fourth uh film. I I love Ragnarok and I think it I think it actually exceeds Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoy Ragnarok more than Guardians of the Galaxy but like Shannon said it's millimeters more. It's barely Just that little bit more. It's one I, once again, it's one I own and it's one I go back to and watch over and over and over again. The humor never stops being funny for me. For me, the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, the valid, I think Kalinowski is valid, a dance-off, like it gets, it makes sense with what they've laid out for sure. But still the idea of a dance off. It can it's a. it's like it's a I little love bit it. Controversial. I love, it. <laughs> and I love it. it. I get it. I get it. Well, like, I get it. it's it's like I enjoy the Iron Man 3 twist. I love that the Mandarin is a is a is a character they've made up and, and created by the me, by the media or whatever they do there. I like that idea, but a lot of people hate it. So, you know.
0: <laughs> well, and now we're gonna get our real Mandarin in uh, Shang-Chi.
2: Exactly. If it ever comes out. Right.
0: If it ever comes out now, I, I, I have my bone of contention that I oh, dive in here yeah. With. Yeah. But I know that Johnny, you had said you wanted to, you had opinions on Captain America being as high as it
1: was.
2: No. Yeah. The first the Avenger, first- I think it should be higher to be honest oh, with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I love that movie. I stand for that movie. I will fight for that movie. People are like, Oh, the third act or what? I, I don't understand why people don't like it. I get, I hear their reasons. I can, I can accept their reasons but I don't see what they see because I thoroughly enjoy that movie from uh, from front to back. It never bores me. I never get uh, uh, tired of it. And I love the earnestness of uh, Chris Evans' performance in this character from I can do this all day when he's a skinny kid to later on when he's the big beast. I know that Matt Nost's big problem with it is that he's all of a sudden can run and dive and swim and whatever after he comes out of that serum, uh, after he gets the serum and comes out of that uh, contraption. Uh, But I think that's part of a superhero movie. You know, it's like, okay, you know, he's got this skills. He's always had the ability to do things. And now his body matches his mind and he can go and do these things. Uh, and is incredible, and I think the relationship with him and uh, Haley Atwell is fantastic throughout the uh, latter half of the movie uh, as well. And Red Skull is pretty is pretty scary; it's more scarier than uh, Marquand made him in uh, Infinity War or Endgame. So I like that Red Skull a lot with Hugo Weaving uh, overall. So that's why I think it should be higher. And it feels like Superman; it feels like Donner Superman uh, in the in nowadays. That's my the,
1: the two things that kept it down for me, because mm-hmm. I agree. I think the Steve Peggy romance is one of the purest things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Agreed. I think Chris Evans especially considering his body of work leading up to that movie that he played wise asses the whole yeah. time. Yep. And the fact that he was able to come in and play this earnest guy that you believed. I mean, and this was this is a combination of the special effects and his performance. But you yeah. believed he was that little guy. Um, the yeah. thing that keeps it down is the curse. Is is the curse of the montage. I, I wasn't a big fan of the act two montage. Um, and also, oh, I, right. I think they really fumbled the ball with Bucky. That mm, okay. You need you needed that moment between the two of them on because, the train. You mean? Yeah, on the yeah. train. Like mm. I don't feel like I, I feel like that should have been because Peggy talks about like it was Bucky's choice. It's like right. you don't get that. You don't get that Bucky let go. It's like Steve. He slipped. And wow. I think it should have been a choice for Bucky that he should have said. And they actually did this in one of the uh, animated Avengers films mm-hmm. in the same moment where Bucky says to Cap, the world needs you more than me. And he lets go. Wow. What? See, I, and I think what they did, even though like, it's it set up and, and I think he gets redeemed, um, I think that was a little bit of a fumble. And that's mm-hmm. why it's down there
2: um i think they fumbled with uh, the 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 guys what are the guys his crew what's all oh, his... like the howling commandos the howling commandos i think they messed i th- I would have liked to have seen more with them because uh mm-hmm. you cast someone like uh mcdonough neil mcdonough and you don't give him more to do than a few scenes i think that's a yeah uh, i think that's a fumble overall what about you mike what, what's your thoughts on it I've, I've talked enough about this what about you
0: <laughs> i uh you know captain america is only a couple higher on my list just because mm. of some other things that went up there but i did put it higher. I. I kind of agree with both of you guys. I love Captain America. I think mm-hmm. it is a hundred percent gives me all the Richard Donner Superman vibes. And I think in the good ways and the bad ways, like we all love Richard Donner Superman. We're all big fans of it. But when you go back and watch it now, uh, especially in the world we live in today, there's definitely cheesy moment. You can say mm-hmm. the exact same thing about Donner Superman that you say about Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Reeve comes in and plays this earnest guy to a T. you a hundred percent believe in him. The relationship between him and Margot Kidder is like perfect. I Mm -hmm. love every moment of it. Seeing him just be Superman and go around and inspire people 100% works. And then for me, the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor stuff is really kind of funny and Gene Hackman-y, but doesn't, the whole plot at the end, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, I guess. And he like spins back time and it's kind of cheesy. Just the way that Captain America has the montage and stuff like that. So I think neither movie is perfect, but both of them are so well-intentioned and I will always have a soft spot. Mm For Captain America, for mm. that reason, I think that I think that what's great about the Captain America trilogy, before you lead into Infinity War, Endgame, is that the even though they do fumble the ball with Bucky in the first Avenger, the bringing him back as Winter Soldier in uh, in, in Winter Soldier works so well, and Captain yeah. America being that hero out of time in the second movie works so well, and then leading that into Civil War and having you know, Avengers kind of two and a half, but kind of grounded in Cap's refusal to give up on Bucky. Uh, They, even though they fumbled Bucky at the beginning, they definitely like stuck the landing with him Mm. moving forward, which was great. Um, Mm. Now I want to talk about Shannon's janky list. (laughs) I don't understand why, A, why Spider-Man, homecoming is so far down the list
2: that's fair and
0: so far below far from home because although i agree that far from home is an exceptional movie as well Mm. uh and even though i know that i think homecoming is better and i know that shannon thinks far from home is better i do not understand the distance between these and why homecoming is so far down there which is just
1: ridiculous Well, to say that it is so far down there is not entirely accurate because far from home is ten. Homecoming 10. is fourteen. Mm. There are three movies in between there. Now, I know you probably have more an issue with the movies rather than the placement. Um,
2: <laughs> but, but I agree, but I agree, but I think what Michael's trying to say is you start home, you start a homecoming in the uh, beginning of the films you don't like, uh, it's the top film that you, st- when you start going into the films that you clearly do not like, it is the one that starts that whole descent. And so, Mikey <laughs> yeah. doesn't like it, that that's the gatekeeping Homecoming, movie Homecoming to go into the descent.
0: Look, you, you got Spider-Man Homecoming, <laughs> and then you go to Doctor Strange, which we all agree is a, is a good movie. Then you go to Ultron, Thor, The Dark World. Homecoming <laughs> is three, it's two, there's two, two movies between Homecoming and Thor, The Dark World.
1: Well, as we have said before,
2: I
0: uh,
1: like Thor the Dark. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, this is great. <laughs> but,
1: um, when I first saw Homecoming, because I remember we went to go see it at the dome at mm-hmm. the ArcLight, um, and part of this was the experience. There was a guy two rows behind us coughing. He coughed the whole movie to the well, point that our geek he buddy was
0: patient, he was patient zero. He had the corona. <laughs> <laughs>
2: COVID-18 or yeah, whatever, they, whenever it came out. COVID-18. COVID <laughs> no, you quiet. know, they're in order. They're sequential. Apparently. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but that was one of the reasons. Like, I did not enjoy that experience because this dude was coughing the whole time. And re-watching it, I was like not experiencing the twist in the right environment. Mm. I mean, the twist with uh, Michael Keaton is Amazing. It's so so good. But the third act for homecoming just doesn't bring it home for me. I I, I think I think it's good. I think it's fine. Um, But ultimately, where it stumbles, I feel like Far From Home just knocks it out of the park. Now, I'm also partial to the spectacle and the action and the uh, the action sequences, Mm. which, you know, John and and Mikey, I know you guys appreciate that stuff. But John's a little bit more. uh, He's the theme guy. Mike is the story guy. Mm. Um, The Mysterio sequences in Far From Home like who 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 would ever have thought that they could have pulled that off like stuff that they used to do in a comic book that they were able to pull that off so well yeah. in the film whereas the action in homecoming is fine like it's good it's fine um yeah. I love the tony Peter dynamic uh in in homecoming I really love the Peter um happy dynamic in far mm. from home uh, I think it's so like the scene on uh the jets oh. is just so heartbreaking I yeah. mean it so good yeah. um that is why homecoming is where it is mm-hmm. or that's why it's a little far from home
0: i have i have i have homecoming is number seven i have far wow. from home as number far from home is number 23 <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm just kidding no it's not no it's not I actually love far from home
2: <laughs> uh, I'm in your camp uh, you know, though Mike uh, I'll, take, I'll take homecoming over yeah. Far From home. yeah
0: homecoming is number seven and far from home is number 11 so there are three mm. movies between them for me too it's I we're, do, we're we we reversed it uh I listen it, you are correct it's like degrees I everything <laughs> that you love about far from home I also love about far from home the scene with happy and Peter on the jet makes me cry when yeah. Happy looks at Peter and sees that he is a young Tony Stark. Like I it, I, I, break, it, it gets me every time. Yeah. Mysterio is amazing, it's all good. <clears throat> I think for me, um, post-Civil War, where Peter Parker was so much fun, reestablishing Peter in his life, in his world, and kind of trying to find the balance of a story that still felt like a fun Peter Parker, Spider-Man origin story, that built on everything you had established in Civil War and the current Marvel Universe. Mm. I think they just nailed everything. I think opening it up post the Battle of New York with, uh, with Adrian Toomes sort of as the in the in the role that he is is Michael Keaton's role, uh, kind of collecting the Chatari artifacts. Like it was such a brilliant way to give him way bigger, more interesting story. To your point, the twist that he was Liz's dad came out of nowhere in the yeah. best way. It was amazing. Uh, Michael Keaton in the car with Peter and Liz where he figures out that Peter is Spider-Man is one oh, of the coolest awesome sequences. It's amazing.
2: Great show. And
0: in addition to all of that, uh, just all the, the the way that it feels like a John Hughes movie, the way they made Peter Parker's life and school and everything so funny, so humorous. The little, t- the little things like Captain America doing the – PSAs for the mm-hmm. PE teacher, like like in a thousand little ways. Not only did they really do a great job, the obviously the Tony Peter relationship is so well done. They didn't overuse Iron Man; he was used in right the right amount. Like no. it all just works so well, and it's such a clear, concise, contained, strong story. Uh, I think they just nail it, and I think with Far From Home picking up after Endgame, having Peter deal with the death of Tony everything he's dealing with taking it on an international trip like they do a great job it's all awesome like it's a it's an amazing amazing sequel because it in its own right stands as a great movie i just think you've got to give props to homecoming for setting it all up uh and i think that some of the jokes with like uh with with, with the teachers in far from home kind of fall a little flat i think that far from home Mm. has its sort of weak points as well yeah um but yeah, so I think you're 100% wrong about Homecoming being that far down on the <laughs> list. So as the beginning as the beginning of your Marvel movies that you don't like, I think you're 100% wrong on a terrible person and a horrible human being. Right?
1: <laughs> Agreed. Um, what are the three movies in between Homecoming and Far From Home for you? All
0: right, the three movies between, so Homecoming is number seven. I kind of told you that I had Endgame, Infinity War, Winter Soldier, Black Panther, Civil War, Guardians as my top six. Mm-hmm. Homecoming is number seven. Then The First Avengers is number 8. So I do have it higher than I think Johnny would put it.
2: Yeah, I'd put it down. Captain
0: like- America Captain America is number 9, The First Avenger, hmm. and then Ragnarok is 10 and then Far From Home is 11. Wow. Okay.
2: Wow. I was told not to make a list and little did I know these two uh made a list on my on their own. So I know uh, you know what I did. I, 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 I actually
0: <laughs> I had made a list. I had made a list months ago and I oh. went and looked at it and I made a few tweaks Fair to it. Right. I had made I I I as as a super nerd, I have in my notes my list of Marvel movies in the order I put them in because it comes up so often with the people we hang out with. That's that I just point. kind of always have it at the ready to discuss mm-hmm. for, for for things like this.
2: Uh, well, I'm sure there's a top ten MCU uh, episode on uh, my on the uh, top ten uh, uh, podcast, so you can go and listen to that or watch that uh, when you see my list. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like looking at your, wait, let me bring up your list real quick. I know we got to wrap up. So let me bring up your list real quick. What I would change here. Um, yeah. I mean, like you look at, uh, I think black Panther would probably stay where it's at. I don't have a problem with black Panther being down. I would move Avengers down to maybe 17 or 18. I just, I just Ooh. don't. Yeah. I just, I rewatched it on the plane back from London and I was just like, this is kind of boring. And I was just kind of surprised at how much I found it to be cheesy and uh, to be fair, this is Joss Whedon, and you know, I, I maybe I just don't gravitate to his stuff as powerfully as i would even argue uh, it's just a shade above ultron for me now in retrospect because i think wow. there are things with ultron that are more enjoyable to watch now uh, as we see uh, the progression of this idea of wanting to get into people's lives with technology and surveil people and things of that nature uh, and the fear that i have of ai taking over the world it kind of plays <laughs> into it uh, in my opinion i do agree with you with ant-man and the wasp as much as i hate to admit it, and i tried to fight for that film really hard because I do enjoy uh, Hannah John Kamen in the film I do enjoy Lawrence Fishburne's stories in the film I think overall it kind of shows you that the Ant-Man it's weird when you have a a sequel to a film that shows you that you don't even need the main character in its own franchise that's a scary line to walk with Ant-Man and the Wasp so I don't disagree pretty much all those films that are down there in your bottom eight bottom seven except for Doctor Strange I would argue i agree with uh, for the most part um and gardens yeah so all those I, th- I don't think there's only a shade of difference in some of the rankings uh if i was to do my list uh, so, uh, compared to what you did there's only like two or three i think i would move around uh in in that order and uh yeah in that way so but it's a good yeah. list it's a great list and i yeah, i so envy not, so you Not a so doing...
1: so terrible a person
2: no no that's a terrible person i would <laughs> i would not uh, go
1: in uh, that debatable debatable
2: debatable <laughs> i mean michael's i think more terrible for avengers in top 10 that's ridiculous especially for a story guy uh so you know no you know what it is?
0: i'll tell you why i and yeah. especially because i just i kind of did this i didn't i have not been doing Shannon's sort of let's go through the marvel movies but oh, yeah. i knew that he was i knew that he was doing it and i think it was like two weekends ago uh i was looking through disney plus and i was like oh i really haven't watched avengers the first one in a long time and i put it on and look, I agree with you. I think it does kind of veer into some cheesy territory. I yeah. think it's not a perfect movie by any stretch. And definitely as the spectacle has grown with these movies, it feels a little small in some ways. Whereas I know that when mm. we all saw it in the theater for the first time, it was like the biggest thing. Oh my God, I can't believe they're all together. Yeah, It totally. has some cheesy moments, but I think it really holds together nicely as a mm. fun movie where you see all these characters bounce off of each other. Like to Shannon's point with Endgame, we now live in a world where we've seen every Marvel hero fight together mm-hmm. in the portal scene in the biggest way ever but there's a charm to Iron Man Thor and Captain America fighting each other for the first time like right after they capture Loki and yeah, there's yeah. kind of a fun to the way that all the characters don't get along and don't bounce off like kind of rub each other the wrong way wrong yeah. way like I, there's there's a lot of like fun little moments in Avengers that really work well that I kind of still, I think I kind of keep it up high because it kind of, that was the first big Marvel payoff too. I think I have a soft mm. spot for it, but I do agree with you. Like then I went kind of, I kept kind of watching. So I've been sort of pick, picking the Marvel movies I want to rewatch. And I also rewatched Ultron, which I don't think I've watched maybe even since the theater. Yeah. And uh, it's, it definitely does suffer out of all the Marvel movies mm-hmm. from being, it, it feels the most like a big sequel where they tried to do too much. Like yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot going on, and I think it does get a little over the top. But James Spader as Ultron is still mm-hmm. a joy to watch. Yeah. And watching Scarlet Witch come into it, like I, I really kind of got really into Hawkeye, has that moment with her uh, in Sokovia when they're near the end where they're all battling it out. And mm-hmm. he kind of has that moment where he's like, You can stay in here and be safe, and I'll protect you. But if you step outside, you're a hero and just seeing where Scarlet Witch has gone, especially yeah. through Infinity War and Endgame and being excited for WandaVision, her hero moment really affected me in a big way. So I think mm-hmm. there's some really nice moments in Age of Ultron that get overlooked as everybody kind of looks at it as like the bad sequel. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, there's there's a lot. I, 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 yeah. I think that the best thing about this list is, I think Shannon was onto something and I think if people are at home and bored kind of going back through the Marvel Universe, Uh, it makes you rethink a lot of the movies that you thought you loved or you thought you didn't Mm. like and you kind of see things in a different way.
2: Yeah, it certainly might be an inspiration for me to do the same thing for my Patreons on my Patreon. It'd be like one week, one one time, uh, you know, one week one movie for a watch along every week doing one of the 23 movies as a watch along uh and kind of revisit as an excuse to revisit them and do something with that content uh in that way so i, I like that uh, overall so kudos to you shannon for being disciplined enough to watch these and and watch one a day and not not like not jump into the next one actually take your time through it so it speaks volume. so you got to respect your list whether and, Michael thinks Michael thinks you're a bad person or not? I think no,
0: knows. I don't. I don't think you know I, I don't think you're a bad person. I actually give you a lot of props. It takes a lot of guts <laughs> to put such a horrible list like this out on Twitter.
2: <laughs> there it it's, is.
0: It's All a right, lot man. of it's a you you got a lot you got a lot of you got a lot of stuff, kid. You got a
1: lot of stuff. Some some of our friends are chiming in saying I'm wrong, and some people that uh, I'm not friends
2: with are chiming in yeah, saying yeah, I'm yeah. wrong. So. welcome to the game, man. <laughs> <laughs> the way it works the MCU, <laughs> don't mess around with that. Oh, and I, also Iron Man three should be way higher on your list. You're ridiculous, uh, and that's the other one I'd have an argument about as well. No. I love I like Iron Man three a lot, um, but you know I, I don't think I think the buddies don't agree with me, but I'll I'll, I'll say that
0: I I will say that I even with incredible. Hulk, like looking at shannon's list and kind mm-hmm. of comparing it to like my like I, I think that with the exception of iron man 2 which maybe i need to revisit i think every one of these movies has stuff that you can really enjoy in it i think mm-hmm. iron man 2 is 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 at the bottom of the list for a good reason yeah. i think that kind of i think shannon spoke about this uh when we talked about it a few weeks ago that robert downey jr and gwyneth paltrow in their relationship is still a lot of fun but i think iron man 2 is kind of like met whatever but incredible hulk has some fun moments. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, I love how they handled the scrolls. I really like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. I like Annette Benning. Mm-hmm. Like with each one of these movies, I think that there's stuff that you can pull out which when you look at the what Marvel has accomplished in their 23 movies over a decade, yeah. uh the fact that we can look at all of these movies and even down to the last 3 or 4, we're still in the I really like this movie but category is really impressive.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, And that's that's incredible. Yeah. Impressive. That's a perfect way to end that. All right. Well, thank you all so much. We have gone way over time and I appreciate you all uh, putting up with it, but I think you're enjoying it because it's a discussion about Marvel movies. I'm sure you've got your strong opinions and you've debated these with your friends and debated your friends lists ad nauseum as well. It's a fun thing to do here now that we're all self-isolated, self-quarantining. It's fun to have these debates and these discussions. Hell, James Gunn put up two tweets talking about the best sequels uh, that he thought in his opinion and uh, people went crazy over that. So this is a fun conversation to have by the uh, way yeah
0: i'm I'm with james gunn on the gremlins 2 bandwagon you're we'll insane. talk about that next time
2: you're insane you're insane hulk hogan's in that film and i still wouldn't put it over gremlins you're an insane person uh um but i will go with him that alien and aliens are essentially uh tied i, I will agree with that a thousand percent Uh, One is a real uh, art house film. The other one is a fun popcorn fest. Um, All right. So that's my personal. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's, let's shut this thing down. We got to go. I want to thank you all so much for uh, downloading this episode, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening to us on the podcast feed means so much to us as we put this thing together every week and have some fun reconnecting with each other and talking about it. I mean, we use it as an excuse to see each other anyway. This is an even more of an excuse because we've been self-isolating and self-quarantining to be able to see each other. So in a way, it's kind of a gift that keeps giving back to us every week as well. Uh, where can, uh, what do we want to say, Shannon?
1: Yeah, if you'd like to follow the
2: Geek Buddies on
1: social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to tell me I'm wrong and follow me on social media, <laughs> it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Twitter, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to tell people that I'm right, you can follow Mike Vogel <laughs> at MK Tune if you'd like to tell John that you think I'm just a great guy. You can follow him at the Roca Says. I kind of ran out of steam at the end.
2: Yeah, you're there. You're almost there. <laughs> to be fair, we've been talking for an hour and 22 minutes. Uh, Mikey, what do you got?
0: All right. Well, listen, uh, we've been talking a lot about lists today. So if you're going to make a list of things that you should do after this podcast, number one, uh, you should uh, rate us and leave comments wherever you're listening. If you If you're watching us right now on YouTube, just leave a comment below, subscribe to Johnny's page. Uh, If you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or iTunes, rate us, star us, leave comments. And then number two, uh, you should share us. So uh, retweet us, uh, post us on Facebook, tell people that if they love geeky stuff, they should be checking us out. Uh, And then number three, you should definitely go to the Twitter page and use the hashtag Shannon is wrong slash horrible. (laughs) in any of the comments that you leave us. And if you do those things, then we're all great. Everything's fine.
2: You can't put a slash in the in the hashtag. It'll go away. But, well, then uh,
0: hashtag Shannon is wrong. Hashtag Shannon is terrible. Just okay. depending on your tweet. Just depending Fair on the tweet.
2: Fair well, the horrible, terrible, no good list. I respect that. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for watching this episode of Geek Buddies. And we'll see you next time on the... Geek Buddies! Hey! hey